Blog Talk Radio. anything from anywhere 
in any language. I could I could figure out anything. I can I can network anything. I can reach people. I can do kind of anything. But another thing I could do if I set my mind to it is I could spread some misinformation, or I could further an agenda, or I could share some truth. Well, that's what I'm here to do today, folks, and I'd like to share some truths with you. And one of the truths that I would like to share with you is that no matter what happens, no matter what we're faced with, humanity has faced so much more worse things than we're facing today. You know, less than 100 years ago, there was a world war going on, and millions of people died, and it was a real enemy. Real enemies were attacking our friends. Real things to worry about. Real, real things to worry about. And people were sick then, too, and there was no food, and and, and there was all, all kinds of of issues and all kinds of problems, real problems. But in spite of all of those things, people found it in themselves to hold it together, to rise up, to be their best selves, to work together, to sacrifice, to figure things out. And I'm going to encourage you today in this time where every other word is is presenting a case for fear, one more thing to be afraid of, that I'd like to propose this. No matter what it is that would be to happen, it could happen whether or not you're afraid. And being afraid never helped anything. The only thing fear might do is if you have a fear instinct, it might cause you to avoid a, a hard, a bad time by being able to escape it. But this isn't one of those situations. Being afraid is not going to help anything. You can be aware of a problem and you can act rationally and act in a way that is best for all involved without panicking and being afraid. So I'm going to encourage everybody today to consider not being afraid. It doesn't mean be stupid. It just means maybe don't be afraid. You realize how much hardship on your body fear brings, anxiety brings, not being able to sleep, not being able to. It wrecks your immune system. It wrecks your uh, ability to eat right. Causes you to crave all the wrong things causes you to, to, to chase vices, all kinds of things. Why don't, instead of being afraid, we take all that angst and all that energy and decide maybe we can focus it on something, anything. If you've got kids at home, I don't know, maybe spend a minute connecting with them, just being with them, or maybe pick up a phone Talk to somebody. Have a real conversation. You know, in this world of texting and, and electronic communication, we seldom communicate. Anybody who knows me knows that I don't like to text, and I don't like to email. Anybody sends me marathon emails, I usually just pick up the phone and call them. You know why? Because I'd rather talk to you. 
you can hear my inflection if I'm being sarcastic or cynical, you can hear it in my voice. If I'm being serious, you can hear it in my voice. If I'm laughing, you can hear it in my voice. I don't need to send you emojis to to let you know the feel of the conversation. I don't know. Personal contact. In this time where we're being told to distance ourselves physically, I think that we can still take time to connect and be closer emotionally. I don't know. Something to think about. You know, I heard just yesterday that there's the crime rates are down, murder rates are down, and the hypothesis was that you know there's less opportunity because people aren't running around and you know less people to rob and less people to kill and whatever. But I have to think that there's all kinds of conflicts probably happening internally. I think that you know when we get stuck together, a lot of times we don't bring our best selves. A lot of times we bring our worst selves. And uh, but maybe maybe now is the time that we could take to resolve a problem. Maybe maybe now would be a time to forgive somebody or to or to fix a problem of relationship that's gone south. Or or maybe it's time to engage something that you've been putting off for a long time. You know, there's a lot of great projects that are happening right now. There's a lot of need for good people to be doing good things. Maybe now would be a good time for that. Maybe it's time to work something out. Maybe it's time to start working together with somebody that you haven't worked with. Maybe it's time to become part of a group or become active in a group you're already part of. These are all things that we could do that would maybe take the place of being afraid, maybe take the place of being frustrated. You know, we have potentially some hard times ahead. Our economy is going to take some lumps over what's happened. You know, when it first got started, I I was kind of looking at everything going, well, the government hasn't been too oppressive. It seems like they're actually kind of helping out. The National Guard got called in. They're helping to set up hospital beds and, you know, doing generally good things. But then you start watching these governors and you start watching these, these mayors and these these petty tyrants out there issuing their decrees and telling people what they can and cannot do. And it's getting a little bit, now that things are supposedly leveling up a little bit, they're, they're flexing their muscles even more. I'm, I'm hearing stories of people getting pulled over, fined, even given jail sentences for breaking curfews. I don't know, that seems a little bit harsh. Seems like it's maybe pushing the boundaries of what government might should be doing right now. Maybe when they find out that they're wrong about some things, they should just be reasonable and set a new plan, acknowledge what's going on and acknowledge that maybe we didn't know as much as we thought we did and maybe time to reset. I don't know that might be a good thing. I don't hear that happening. I hear doubling up and and, and tripling up and and, and going back to say, well, you know, this is what we need to do. This is what we need to do. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe, maybe it's a time that we could positively get involved with the people around us, with groups and things that are happening, or 
help one of these things to happen. As you know, for the past six or eight months now, I've been talking about our Walk for Change. Our Walk for Change is uh, happening. Now, this pandemic has sort of gotten in the way a little bit and, and caused a lot of people to back off from helping and has caused people to be afraid or, or to think that things aren't happening. Um, but they are. We've slowed back a little bit, and we're, we're uh, being very careful and methodical about our messaging. We've got our final branding figured out. And uh, hi, Cam. I will, I will bring to you very, very, very soon here. I'm almost there. Or is Adam on the line? Is, is that what's going on? Yeah. Yes? Okay. Well, well let's get through my rant. And um, I've got a special guest here. Uh, Kim Fogelman is... Um, been a member of the Human Solution and helping us um, um, working towards ending prohibition. Well, at the same time, her son has been locked up in prison for pot, and uh, it's 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 a rough patch right now. Kim, why don't you tell us what's going on with uh, with Adam? Um, can you hear me? I hear you just fine. Yes. Oh, awesome! Awesome, boy. Sure. Um, it's, uh, hi, Joe. It's really good. It's good to talk to you, sweetheart. Well, Adam, um, actually, he was turned down today for um, release. Um, we went in front of the judge to ask uh, for release, early release, and they turned him down. So, uh, but he, uh, you know, Adam actually only got two years. Uh, he should say only because he was up for 20, and after fighting for a year and a half, um, he faded out to two over nothing but edible. And what they done was took everything they had and uh it would all under the scale. So even though it was all packaged out of Michigan properly and everything was labeled properly. It, it said that it had a quarter of an ounce of something, it was actually about fifteen ounces because that's what the whole package was. So by the time they got done with them it was phenomenal what they charged in there. So yeah, they started at 20 and talked a year and a half to a good lawyer and got down to two. So, but you know, the sad thing about everything right now is um, the uh, these guys are sitting there and they are also scared because they have nowhere to go to run from this uh, crazy, you know, this crazy thing that's just ramping right now through all these cases. Adam's in a very small prison. It's only, there's only 500 people. And out of the 500, it's probably about half, half of them have it. Really? And, yeah. Yeah. And um, that's something I put in front of the judge. I said, guys, you know, put their next bracelet on him. Put him in a halfway house. Just get him out of there. And they just, that's it. See you later. Have a great day. And how, how long has he actually served of his sentence? Only been in there seven months. Okay, and and so, where he's at right now, like in California, generally uh, people are doing half time. So for right. every year that you get, you'll do likely about six months. What is it where he's at? Where he's at, the way the prosecutor put it, because he paid it to two, and they wanted him to do so much more. And as we all know, the judges don't have the last say because as I sat there and they finished 
you know, they finally, we had to come in and turn himself in because he's been free this whole time. And it was time for him to turn himself in. He went down. And this judge looks at the prosecutor and says, you know, it's going to take me a few minutes because this young man does not deserve to be in prison in the first place. And he looks at him and says, when, when you're done with this, sir, please go somewhere that you are very good at what you do. Go to Michigan, go to Colorado, and uh, make a good living. And that's exactly what the judge said to him. And I said, man, but I love you. So, but you'll probably, uh, unless the prosecutor lets go, they'll do this whole two years. Really? Wow. Yeah. Wow. And, and, you know, this is one of these things that keeps happening. People don't understand. And I know, you know, you and I haven't spent a whole lot of time working together, but we spent some time working together. And, and, and not only working to support your son, but you've actively been working uh, to support many other prisoners and, and people that are facing charges. And, um, you know, I, I, I wish it wasn't, but it's actually kind of a rarity. It seems that most people you know, will fight for their own case, maybe, but when it comes to, you know, sticking around and helping, it's it's a lot harder to come by. So I'm I'm really grateful to you um as as you're definitely one of the one of the rare ones that are willing to to stay in this and, and it seems that you understand uh so much that the problem isn't, you know, one law or another. The problem isn't that, you know, Oh well, if he would have just done it this way, it would have been okay. The problem is such, so much bigger than that. It's a, it's a systemic problem. It's a problem of priorities. It's a problem of prohibition. It's a problem of um, motivation. You know, the motivation that these people have to lock up nonviolent people and uh, um, and keep them locked up for a good long while. And you know, it's it's disturbing. Night when I come home, I sit down for a good hour and a half, and I sit and I just email on Craig's behalf, on Lance's behalf, on Adam's behalf. I email um, besides the president, um, the attorney general, and there are so many offices within the attorney general that I send to, and I have, I don't have anybody telling me not to email them. So hopefully someone will listen. Inside the attorney general, there are also four other offices. That I email from Peggy and Glencia because those are um, those are there for uh, like people that are being railroaded. But it really comes down to, it. and that's how I put it to them: that these poor people are being railroaded, like you know, by a little town that wants to act like they're somebody, you know. But let me take a minute because what actually brought us here is a letter from um, Craig. And he sent me, and he wanted me to read it on your show. Excellent. Can you do this? Yes, please. Um, awesome. Um, Craig says, uh, in these states of lockdown, to you as well as me, it has it hasn't escaped me that in many states, such as my home state of Illinois, marijuana distributing is considered an essential business that puts it on you on par with grocery stores and hospitals. Like me, I suspect you and your son is scratching your head and saying he's sentenced. Jails across the country are looking at their populations for of people to let go, which they want to release, which are not likely to harm anyone in any way in their community. And as I'm thinking, 
and asking, well, what about the essential businessmen? Hey, since I, since I can't call any Joe, ask him ask that question. That we are the essential businessmen in interest. Please also consider the light of all the recent efforts to look at the people in jail that determines if they are needed or not in the jail. Maybe a view of prisoner inmates should be brought into the focus that society is good and actually being served by holding essential businessmen in prison. Thank you. But no pandemic goes to waste. Now, he is just dead on it. All yeah. these guys, every one of these guys in prison clubs, they know more about this product and what it can do and how it can help. And like you said, it's essential. Well, why don't you let these businessmen out? And like the judge told Adam, you are a good businessman. When you get out, go somewhere where you can be a good businessman. Yeah, it's 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 maddening. Um, you know, and and as I'm trying to, you know, keep my head about me and, and not just be angry, because it'd be really easy to just be angry all the time, but then oftentimes we make poor choices when we're clouded by anger. So I, I'm thinking, you know, always, as you know, I'm I'm always trying to bring people together and get people to get involved and engage and 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 you know do something you know what can we do and at the same time i sit there and i look and do you realize that in many states that have um allowed legally with giant quotes around it because of course the federal law doesn't make anything legal but um have, have passed state laws that allow for medicinal and recreational use of cannabis um, and in, even in some cases, um, psilocybin mushrooms. I mean, it's more and more things are becoming so-called legal in those very states, California being one of them. There are raids being conducted today and during the whole course of this pandemic that everybody is supposed to be only focusing energy on the most essential things. And yet our law enforcement that's supposed to be serving and protecting us is still breaking down doors, cutting down plants, and locking people up and destroying property in the name of, quote, unquote, illegal marijuana. And it's happening today, right now. And you know, I tell you what, the way I feel about it is that, unfortunately, until the money mongrels of the pharmaceutical people will wake up and stop and realize, well, quit being afraid to lose a buck, it's not going to stop because the government is run by the pharmaceuticals and all of them. They are all right both together. And they say, okay, run this out because if you don't, we can't sell our drugs. Yeah, it's crazy. I think if people could see the whole truth of, of, of any of these issues and, and, you know, this pandemic being certainly one of them, the drug war being certainly one of them, um, you know, the, the influence of pharmaceutical companies, prison guards union, and so on and so on and so on. Um, all of the influencers, the, the you know, the, the 
the the people actually in charge, <laughs> those that are that are pulling all the strings right now. This is all. This isn't conspiracy stuff. It's it's actual stuff. And I wonder if we could actually just see the truth about any of these issues, uh, if if we might be moved to act. I, I have to wonder how much of it is just that we're clouded by so much um, misinformation and, and, and truth combined with falsehoods all at the same time that we're just kind of numb to it, you know, all the information that we get hit with. Uh, and then, then you have the media that's just beating this fear drum, boom, 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 and it's just nonstop, you know, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid, do this, do this, do this. And I listen to these catchphrases, these words that they just beat home, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, wow, I wonder what an influence this has on most people. I mean, it just annoys me, but I just got to wonder, you know, how much of an influence is this really having? And I have to think it's got to be substantial. They wouldn't be doing it. Huge influence on, on people out there. They won't open their eyes. They're afraid to open their eyes. They're afraid to open their eyes and say, look, all the years of this all the years of this plan sitting here and all the years they're, they've always been afraid. I mean, I was, before I had my kids, I was in a big part of the moment. And, you know, and, I, and we fought and we, you know, and we talked and we did, you know, there are walks and, and everything else. And my oldest son was in many normal, you know, weekends and everything. And then uh, as, as the children, I got more kids, I, I slowed back and quit um, the race then. But, um, all my kids, um, you know, they all smoke, and nothing, you know, nothing, I've never grown, you know, brought them up to be afraid of it. Anything else, I told them, guys, stay away. But this will do nothing to help, and look at it, and uh, they, they all understand. But there's going to be people out there that are afraid to open their eyes and go, wow, there is a different room, you know, world out there, something else. That will help us. The government says no, but we can say yes. So yeah, I totally agree, and I, I think that you know this is where where it all needs to happen. You know, it's interesting. The baby boomers are getting older, and and the hippies are are are, are getting older, and the generations that are coming forward. I, I'm just wondering, you know. Wondering what the message is now. You know, I know that, that my generation, we were comfortable with cannabis. My kids grew up not thinking anything. They, they knew dad made medicine and helped people with it. And that was just something that dad did. It was never, and then when dad got locked up for it, they stood by his side and helped. And, and you know, my kids are still helping <laughs> in, in some ways. So um, it's, it's, but I have to wonder, clearly that's not happening enough, and it's not happening in enough places, and it's not happening uh, you know, strongly enough. And I know a lot of people think, well, I did something, so I'm good. You know, I, Even my organization, The Human Solution, I have people that you know, were a member five years ago, so they're like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. And I'm like, well, why don't we keep going? Because we're not done. And why don't we get together and, and work work more together and, and, and you know, put a little more effort into this? And, I, and that's what I'm encouraging. And, you know, I want to just thank you uh, for being there for your son. 
and uh, for being there for some of these other folks that are facing such adversity. I can't imagine, you know, the time I spent locked up was without a sentence. I, I it was all pre-trial, um, and ultimately, um, I, I beat my case when it was all said and done. But you know, they they turned me into hamburger meat by the time I was finished. But here we are. We're still fighting, you know, and I'm still fighting, and I'm going to keep going until until the last man set free, and and until this plant gets to be a plant. You know, imagine what it must be like to be the plant. You know, to just be a plant, and and, and be. Like I said, I you know I kind of step back. I've always you know I've always been into it. I've always checked into it. I've always thought forward and emailed. And because my grandson, when we were three, we started having seizures. So then we started really getting you know a lot of uh, going to uh, checking going to Colorado and checking things out there. And that um, I've never really been out of it. But with Adam, now I'm back into it, and I won't go nowhere. Well, good. I, I one by one, we're gaining, we're gaining on it, and I think what's happening is, as we're moving forward, the, the the real serious folks are coming together and we're assembling. And as you know, we're working on uh, uh, walking across America to make change. And I believe once we started on this uh, actual walk, um, I believe we're gonna we're gonna rally a lot of people together. Um, you know, once they see that it's real and, and as our messaging gets together, we actually have a couple of guests um, coming on after you that are going to be involved with this as well. And so um, I just want to thank you again, Kim, and, and let you know that, uh, you know, um, if you're able to, I know Adam's been able to call into some of the other shows, and I know there's there's limitations on, on you know, phone time or whatnot, but if you do want to schedule to do this um, in a future week. Um, hopefully, you know, he won't need to because he'll be out, but if, it, if it's not the case, I would invite you to come back and uh, uh, share, share some more time. Right now with the lockdown situation, the phone time is very, as, as we all know, phone time is pretty much cut off. Right. Pretty much and that's unfortunate. But um, I will, you know, as soon as things straighten up and if he's not out, and um, I've talked to this back a few times and, and uh, reached out and let you guys know that if, you know, I'm in Ohio, but there's anything I can help in Glenn knows that too, and that the, uh, your route comes to Dayton, and I've already planned to take a week off and come to Dayton and join you guys when you get to Dayton. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person, and, you know, the one of the things the Walk for Change is going to do is cause us all to be able to meet each other. You know, I've been working... I've been organizing uh, people all over the country, even across the world, and many of the people I work with I've never met in person, including Becca. Becca and I have been working together for years, and we've never actually met in person. We've, it's always been virtual, so I'm very much looking forward to the physical connection. Uh, screw social distancing. It's, um, you know, we're, we're, we're meant to be together, so... Anyways, all right. Well, Kim, I appreciate, um, you know, your heart, and um, I thank you for being part of this. And uh, stay with us. We're going to keep on going, and we're not going to quit till we win. Well, I'm not going anywhere. You all stay safe and healthy, okay? Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. All right, up next I've got Mary Donnelly. Um, Mary is a board member of the Human Solution International. She's been a member for a while, and... Um, She's been working on her own stuff for a little bit, but she's uh, popped onto the show today, and I always love 
when she has something to say. And then we're going to bring up our next guests, and um, this is going to be great. So first of all, we call her non-compliant Mary. She calls herself non-compliant Mary, but uh, seldom a more wonderful person have I met. Mary, welcome to the show. How are you doing? It's been a while. Hey, yeah, from what it, um, over the um, over the mountains and around the river and up into the woods and whatever. It's been a ride. Um, you know, cannabis is is a small part of my life. It's an important part. The reason why I like the human solution so much is because that small part represents our hopes and our dreams. For me, it represents the the liberties that we can take to um, bring health and happiness. Hey, Mary, is there any way you can talk a little bit louder? It's uh, I'm struggling uh, with the volume. Um, how's how's this? Is that better? A little better. Yeah, a little better. Okay. Um, next time, we really we don't have any electricity out here, and there's no cell towers. I'm actually grateful for that, but it it does make it hard to um, participate in a digital conversation. But um, anyway, uh, I was saying that what I like about the human solution is that we're, um, especially this walk for change, is that we're bringing attention to all the little liberties that we take for granted, that unless they're taken away from you, you don't even know what's going on out there. You don't realize the oppression that's going on. So. I'm a, I'm just one person out of what um I don't know what is it 340 million people living in the U.S. something like that, and in my little neck of the woods, I've been able to create something that is absolutely wonderful. It um and I've asked myself why is it so important to me why why do I want all this extra work because it's definitely a lot more work than when I was living in the suburbs. What I've realized is that. If I get to express myself, I feel as I am, without dressing it up for somebody, without walking this way or smelling that way or talking this way, if I can be me, completely 100% me, I bloom, I blossom, I'm better than I was before. And I really like flowing that through my veins. And I think we can say I have the right to do that. I don't know, right is a man made thing. But my body, my soul, I crave being me, whatever that is from moment to moment. And all these regulations, it stops people from doing that. It cramps our style. It forces us into boxes that don't fit. It's kind of like trying to wear high heels and do this walk for change across the country. I guarantee you anyone with high heels will have to throw them off in the first couple of miles because it doesn't work long term. And I'm not a, I'm not a short-term person. I like to get into things and I like to take my passion and savor it and flip it around and see how it looks upside down and taste it at different seasons. That's what I do. And that really helps me glow. And I like that. I don't want to stop doing that. It's not about drugs. It's not about getting high. It's about experiencing life without the propaganda, without someone telling me how I should think about this. And it really makes a big, big, big difference to me. Uh, right now, I'm um, being told, I got sick of, I'm going to say like two weeks ago, something like that. I'm not allowed to live on my land. 
not until we have a primary residence in an approved permitted septic system. We have a trailer up here, works fine. It's a new one. I'm four tip outs and I'm two, two full bathrooms. It's a beautiful thing, works really well, works as intended. But I'm not allowed to live in it. I have to live in this house that I've rented, that there are other people that live there. All I use it is just to sleep and do laundry. Um, but I live there, technically, that is my address. There, there are kids in the house and they're sick. I got sick. I tried to get a COVID-19 test. I'm 68. I've got underlying health conditions. I'm the sole caregiver for my husband who has other serious health conditions. And there's no reason in the world other than regulations why I can't live out on my 20 acres with the animals and just love it. It's beautiful here. It's where I am right now. Um, why I can't be here during this time that we need social distancing, why I'm told I must stay in a subdivision and a house with sick people is beyond me. So for this reason and so many others, that's why I support the human solution. That's why I support the walk for change. We need to make changes, a lot of changes. We need to allow people to thrive. We need to support their thriving. And that means taking away some of the ridiculous things and, you know, this, the whole thing about the presidential race, boy, I could really go into that. I've had a lot of emotion surrounding that. Um, and I'm going to share just a couple of thoughts I've had. Tomorrow I may feel differently. But today, well, yesterday, I was very upset that Joe Biden is representing the Democrat Party. Nothing against Joe Biden himself. He just appears to be, and I've looked into this extensively, he appears to be someone in early cognitive decline. I'm not a physician. I'm not here to diagnose. Just when someone gets so confused when they think they're running for the Senate, but really they're running for the presidency, when they think they're in one state and they're actually in another, when they're comparing poor kids or just as, as smart as white kids, um, there's so much to be said for what he's saying, how he's saying it, what he's not saying, and what he's getting confused about. Then somebody said something about what could be worse than Trump. I apologize to all the Trump supporters out there. I'm not trying to say your perspective is askew. For me, for what I'm looking for in America, he's not the answer. He's more a symptom than the answer. To put him in charge and give him a big red button is crazy. So I have a lot of emotion about having someone who appears to be senile um, taking the helm or trying to take the helm. Then I thought, you know what, if you've got someone who people can manipulate, why not allow him to be president and have Americans come together, have us lobby together, have us help this man that's senile who may I don't know, maybe he doesn't have his close attachments to deep state and all this at this particular time. Let us lobby him and try to make something work out of all this. I don't think I can survive four more years of what we've been going through. I need to be free. I need to express myself in the most beautiful of ways, never, ever harming another person, not even myself. I look at my body as something that I, I need to take care of, like, like if I'm only given one car for life, and that's what it's going to be. So there's, 
There's a lot that we need to do. So please, I ask anybody listening to this broadcast, I don't care if you want to smoke pot or not. I just say, do you want to be a free individual? Do you want to help this country get back to the values we have and have it be better than before? Because before there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes. We've taken out a lot of our dirty linen and hang it on the line right now. So let's come together and do something. Yes, I totally agree, and I believe that we can and should always make it better. Tomorrow, the next day, the next day, every day we can do better than we've been doing. So, Mary, it's always a treat to talk to you. I'm hoping to uh, get some time to talk to you behind the scenes again soon. Um, and uh, thanks for coming aboard and sharing your views. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for all you do, and thanks for all the people listening, because just the time you're giving gives energy to this project that must be completed. Thank you. It will be completed. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Mary Donnelly, folks. All right. Bobby, I uh, believe we've got some, some guests coming up here. Tell us what's going on. Yeah, we do. Yeah, you know, the, the, one of the things that's important that people uh, want to make sure that people know, and, of course, you and I live this every day and the work that we do together and separately, is that the Law for Change is about so many issues, as Mary mentioned, for example, there are so many things that are involved, and, and one of the things that, that we've been working on for many years is uh, having our society be better at delivering public benefits to the community, especially in, in disasters. And a lot of people that follow you and follow me and listen to our broadcast know that <clears throat> we pay attention to disaster relief and things that are happening bad in our society in order to respond and get our communities to work together and such. So, Fortunately, some of the people that we both know uh, are doing good works all the time, and, and one of them is uh, Jeffrey Mora and Food Fleet. And uh, for those who don't know who Fleet is and Jeffrey Mora, Jeffrey Mora is pretty much, the way I describe Jeffrey is that he's at the top of the food chain pretty much when it comes to, you know, being a chef, you know, he was a chef through the Los Angeles Lakers for 10 years, for example. He, he, ran, the food, he ran the food agricultural division of the country New Zealand at one time, but he, 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 he works in a lot of areas, and he created this company, Food Fleet, and him and I work together in different areas, and one of the areas that we work on is in relief, and, and Food Fleet is out there trying to not only deliver food and deliver meals to people in a crisis, but deliver quality and healthy things. You know, the, the, one of the issues that we have is a lot of the things that are available to people in crisis is crap you know, a sandwich here and a, and a bottle of water there, and, and particularly the, the between the volunteers and, and responders and then the people who are actually being impacted and not being fed properly. So over the years, Jeff has created an organization and, and contacts and partners, and a couple of them are joining us. And so, so first I want to introduce uh, Willie, who is the Eastern Director of Food Fleet, because they're working on projects right now. Uh, actually, today was the last day. Uh, the Jacob Javits Center was was a a mobile medical facility. Jacob Javits is a huge convention center in New York City on the Hudson River, and they have and they converted it into a, a temporary medical facility. So uh, what Jeff did, and we along with his partners, and actually Willie was the one that was really working on this, and I'll let him talk about that. They were feeding the first responders in the National Guard and all the medical people, and then they're still doing that at Lincoln Medical Center, and then also. Uh, another organization that's based in New York called Sweetery New York City uh, is combined and is a 
partner of Food Fleet and is getting ready to serve the medical community in a much larger way in New York City, and, and all of this is going to come out. So I'm going to bring on Willie and Grant DeMille and, and Kim Healing right now. Excellent. And there's Willie, and there is Grant and Kim. Welcome to A Cup of Joe. This is Joe Grumbine, and A Cup of Joe, your host, and I'm your attention co-host. Whatever the hell I am. <laughs> and, and, of course, uh, the, uh, I was given a preamble about this. And, and of course, you better relief that you know we've worked together, Joe, in that capacity for a long time. Is a sponsor for the Walk of Change. We is a sponsor for Walk of Change, and we're all working on it together. But Willie, really, particularly, I want to start with you, if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I mentioned everybody you're the Eastern Director of Food Fleet of New York and, and the work that's been going on at Javits Lincoln. But give us some background and, and let us know who you are and, and uh, what you do. Sure. And welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you, Bobby. Um, you know, I've been in the restaurant industry and the food truck industry all my life, I would say, for over 20 years. Uh, more specialized on the food truck side for the last 10 years on the East Coast. Uh, I'm based in Baltimore, Maryland, and I've been working with Jeff for the last uh, two years for sure uh, on the East Coast. And, um, you know, my, my background is simple. I'm not a French chef, but I love to eat. Uh, and I love to eat Jeff's food for sure, like everybody around. Um, but, you know, when, when Jeff told me his project and his mission, um, it was a no-brainer for me to join the team because I believe that what they do is not only great for a lot of people, but great for the community as well. Excellent. Wow. Well, I uh, when, it, when it comes to taking care of the people that need it, you know, we've got a lot of people being mobilized right now. We have a lot of people being affected. We have a lot of people being disaffected. We have people that are dis, you know, disenfranchised. They're 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 not able to get and be where they need to be. But these people that are out there on the front lines, that are that are out there, risking their own health, risking their own safety to to help other people. Um, you know, like Bobby was saying so many times. My dad was a surgeon, so I know what it's like when he was alive. Uh, he'd get out there and help in in. Um, Doctors Without Borders and that kind of thing. And I know that when there was a real issue, these guys just get out there and they work. And they don't think about where the food's coming from. And they don't think about, um, you know, that kind of thing. And you watch them and they put their own at, health at stake just simply because it's not there. It's not, you know, it's not easy to be had. So it must, it must be um, pretty rewarding to be a part of something like this. It is very, very rewarding to be honest with you. I mean, we... We've worked with many locations, uh, you know, throughout the country. Uh, like Bobby mentioned, we, we work with the, um, the, the Javits Center with cultivated lady over there um, to provide food trucks for, for large events like Comic Con, anime, and also like corporate conventions and things like that. So, you know, when we got the call to uh, be able to mobilize some food trucks to help with the frontline heroes, I think. Um, it was a no-brainer. It was a Saturday afternoon, and we were able to do that within 24 hours. We scheduled food trucks a day um, to basically feed around 400 people every day um, since, since 10 days right now. Um, and, and, and we grew to now, uh, we also sent food trucks to um, three different hospitals in the Bronx as well as Brooklyn. Um, so I think last, last week we, we helped serve 
around 30,000 meals, and, uh, and and the goal is to go with you know with that and, and support all the people who just give mm -hmm. their time and, and their blood and tears um, to to fight COVID. And my guess is you're probably pretty well received. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it's challenging because the situation in New York is, is completely different from other parts of the country. I mean, I'm, I'm in Maryland. People who are like, you know, almost nothing is happening in you know, New York and I know in New York people are afraid of going out. Um, so it, it, it's very challenging to mobilize people, but we took the steps necessary to make sure that everybody feels safe. And, and we can see the public as well very safely. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm I'm excited to uh, learn about this. And uh, do you have people reaching out to be part of this to help out? Are, are you getting approached by people that want to be um, assisting? We do, we do. I mean, on the food truck side, definitely we had a lot of food trucks that contacted us because they wanted to join. So we're getting to the point right now that we have almost too many food trucks <laughs> that we are serving. Um, so if you know of any location, uh, obviously we have the food trucks to, to handle that. Uh, and then you know the, the crew from uh, Sweden contacted us and, and and we talked about something together to help you know offset the cost of those meals and and basically donate as many meals as possible to the phone liners. Excellent. So I'll bring in Grant and and Kim here and say hello. This is from Sweden, New York City. And just to give us a little background, you know, they put together a program along with, with Will and, and Carly from Food Fleet, and, and, and we've been talking about it for the last two days, to feed the medical establishment, first responders in the community, and, and having, uh, as Willie was saying, it's being done with no cost to those people, so they know that they can get a meal, because that's, that's pretty much what's going on. So, uh, Grant, and, and, and Grant and Kim, please uh, tell us about yourself and, and what inspired you, what, and this is not the first time also that they've done this. I'll let them talk a little bit about that. Well, first, welcome to the show. I guess I keep forgetting that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you so much for having us. Uh, it, it's a pleasure. You know, we found ourselves, like many people, just you know, not knowing what to do, how to respond, and we found that you know, we've got to do something. What can we do? Um, we have great trucks, relationships with food trucks, and our own trucks, and we figured we need to mobilize. We need to get people more fed. Uh, we see the sacrifices that people are making, and, and we want to be a part of it. We were pretty prevalent during uh, Hurricane uh, Sandy, and uh, I did some volunteer work for 9-11, and I just, you know, it's time to give back. We're all in this together. We're a community. Um, there's a lot of things that divide us, but when there are things of this nature, this magnitude, we've got to come together. We've got to help. Absolutely. I think maybe if there is anything that good that comes out of um, something that's so profoundly bad is that people tend to come together and, and, and cast aside their differences and, and you know look at what's actually important in front of us for once. Absolutely. And you know, New Yorkers get bad raps all the time. But I tell you, you know, as a community when the chips are down, we come together, we help each other as with the rest of the country. But, you know, I, I think there's a special spirit in New York. Um, Forget about it. <laughs> I'm friends with a bunch of New Yorkers. Yeah, we're New York kind of surrounded right now, that is for sure. Bobby, of course, is a native New Yorker, and I'm a native New Yorker. Kim is a, a transplant, but she's been here long enough. I think where she can now call herself 
<laughs> All right. Well, we, know we, do a, we do a lot of adopting in New York anyway. So, you know, once, once you put out for us, we remember all the time. We got long memories, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that was the original melting pot anyways. I mean, that's where everybody all came together from way back before anybody was even in California. So you guys definitely, uh, you got the history for sure. Right. You know, we partnered with Food and um, – you know, we just we, we want to do good. We want to we want to feed people. We want you know, food is comfort for a lot of people. You know, it brings them back to you know their childhood or what have you. And it, it's a way of saying thank you. We're, we're not buying somebody a Mercedes Benz. We're we're feeding them a meal. We're saying thank you. We're showing our appreciation. And we, we just thought it was the right thing to do. Something we can all have in common. <laughs> We can all share a meal together. It's it's. it's no, I tell you, I tell you, the, the, the thing that excites me the most, and I know that uh, we were talking about this earlier, Grant, and and of course I talk about this with Jeff. The main thing to me from the relief side is that it's always about preserving life, and and while you know feeding feeding first responders and medical people per se right there and then might not be doing that, but ultimately it is because it's allowing them to be able to preserve life. Because that's what they're battling. You know, and, and, and to me, that's why all of the community response is really special in what you guys are I mean, you guys are working off a part of this stuff. And then I know Willie's been working. That's all I've been hearing from Jim Quick, man. Willie's handling it. Willie's handling it. And, you know, and I, and I know what it takes to do this from a logistics standpoint. It's not a five minute, oh, yeah, they go over there, and it's not like that, everybody. And, and you know, this is a commitment that is made to, to achieve that. I just want to emphasize that you guys are doing some hard work. And it's just, you know, good work, but it's hard work, and it takes time. Well, we're going to get involved in the hard work as well, real soon. Oh, I don't um, run for me. Come on, don't fight. Oh, because I'll disappear again for a year and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you know where to find me. You'll probably be saving lives and doing great things in Puerto Rico. <laughs> uh, That's true. I do, I, do think, I do stay attached to the island, but no doubt about that. Right. But, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, what is so, so did you guys have you guys have set up uh, some uh, advertising or, or or promoting of what you're doing? I know you have something going on uh, with the New York Post. Tell us a little bit about that. So um, you know we're trying to get some grassroots traction. We started to go to a funny page. We've got a very modest amount of money right now. Uh, I think it's about seven thousand bucks at this moment. Um, we reached out to our clients, and it's an ongoing process and evolution. One of our clients is New York Post, uh, who we've done some great work for. We do a lot of experiential marketing, and uh, they were very, very gracious. They, they believed in our cause, they believed in us, and they wanted us to uh, get a larger voice. So they're helping us with uh, an ad in their tomorrow and online, which we're super, super excited about. And uh, we hope that parlays uh, into a lot of great things, and we know it will. That's fantastic. It'll support its, its medical community. The people will support its medical community and its first responders. We've learned that over the years, as you guys know. You know, 9/11 was, was, you know, I mean, I lost a cousin in 9/11. You know, a lot of people lost a lot of people, and we saw a lot. And, and but the, like you mentioned, in Sandy as well, the community comes together in an insanely marvelous way all the time. And then we get guys like Willie, you know, the Baltimore guy. Just, you know, <laughs> 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 yeah, we, we like Baltimore. Sure. We like Baltimore. You know, with all the great work we've always done, we yeah. anoint you New Yorker. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, 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 
involved in, in many talks, but this is definitely the most rewarding one right now. Let me say you're from France and you're in the food industry. I've never heard that connection. Before. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, what, what, are, what else outstanding team is found upon really with, uh, with uh, Food Street and um, with you, Bobby? Um, Can you do better? Yeah. This, this is going to be great. We're going to make a difference. We're going to bring smiles to people's faces and um, definitely going to shine brightly. So now you guys got to understand also when the Wall Street chain comes across the country, you know, we all, we're, the only place we're going to eat is at the trucks in Baltimore and the trucks in New York. I mean, we got to make that clear here. You know, food cleaning, Jeff already, Billy, you don't even know. I, I, you guys know what comes here. Jeff already knows that you know, food cleaners come in and, you know, we got to pick our spots. You know, if I, if I, as far as I'm concerned, Sweden, we can go right across the country with spots. That's right. That's right. We're part of the wall. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, um, is there any place that people can go specifically to find uh, how to support your efforts right now? Yeah, actually, go to our uh, Facebook page, and there will be a link here to our GoFundMe page. And also, we'll be posting as the ad comes out on the New York Post, so we'll be posting a link to that as well. And you know, hopefully, it'll gain some traction with lots of shares. Excellent, excellent. We have a link as well on foodfood.com for anybody who wants to find it. It's right there on the, on the front page for people to, uh, to click on it. Fantastic. Well, I have a feeling we're going to be sharing that. All of this will be in the newsletter going out as well. And then, of course, Foodfleet is on the Walking website and shows the video relief. So it's all there. And, and, uh, and of course, Joe will make sure everybody knows about it every week. Absolutely, absolutely. How long have you been doing this? I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. A minute. <laughs> Go figure. And I, I just popped out because I wanted to hear my own voice, you know, and finally uh, ran out of things to say, so we bring people aboard now. No, it's it, it, it's important that, that we make this available so that people can understand um, there's so many things happening right now. There's so many uh, outstanding individuals that are that are putting themselves out there to make a difference in the world. That's what this is all about. This is this is about people uh, being willing to do what it takes to make positive change in the world. And that's what the Human Solutions about. That's what Walk for Change is about. That's what all of these these efforts are about. We're all doing the same work, and and now we're doing it together. So it's. Uh, it's a pleasure to meet you folks, and, and I'm looking forward to working with you and um, looking forward to seeing the results, you know. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what this is about. There's some first responders that are doing a job better because they got a good meal on their belly as a result of all of this. So it's, it's all the good work. Excellent. We're separate now, but we're together. So we're in this together, and it's uh, the only way we're going to beat this thing by being together and figuring this out. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys all for encourage everybody. If you even if you don't in these difficult times have any money to donate, please spread the word. Tell other people about it. And that will help us gain traction. Exactly. It doesn't cost you anything to share, and it doesn't cost you anything to talk about it. And uh, you know, you never know that one person you hand it off to, they might be the one that says, "Oh, here you go." So absolutely. Well, thank you guys for being here, and thank you for being part of it. And thank you for everything you're doing, and I'm looking forward to working with you guys as the Walk for Change starts get, gets going.
Thank you. Well. All right. Thank you guys so much. All right, folks, we're uh, at the end of the show. We've got a couple of quick guests here left. And um, we've got Dana Bland and we've got Tom Corby. And I think we're going to get away with uh, a one hour and 10 minute, one hour show, maybe five minutes. We'll see. All right, we got Dana Bland up first. First of all, before we get to them, you know, the Walk for Change is a real big deal. And we're connecting with more and more people that are operating on a plane that's that's reaching more people than we are. We have we have some people that are getting involved that um, have some reach. We have some people that are getting involved that are uh, engaged in in bigger projects, and they're seeing what we're doing, and they're getting it, and they're connecting with it. So um, I'm just really really pleased for everybody who's staying. Uh, the course with this, or uh, getting the magnitude of what this event is, what this action is, what this movement is. It's more than just um, an event. It's more than just a walk. It's literally a game changer, and I thank you everybody who's being part of it. All right, we got Dana Bland up. He is chapter coordinator from the Hope for Change and the End of Prohibition chapter out of Missouri, and Dana's been working real hard for a good long while, and um, just doing such great work. Dana, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Uh, we're doing okay. Uh, yeah, walk for change is definitely important, and people need not to forget about that we are going to have a walk for change, and we're looking for change. Uh, it's like what's going on across the country. It worries the heck out of me because seeing all these prisons get the virus in the prisons where they're less protected than we are, and they're still not letting them out the way they're supposed to be. Not at least the most of the can of prisoners ain't let out yet. Maybe a couple. But, yeah, I got the brochures and stuff that you sent me. They're real nice. And, oh, good. Uh, yeah. And this this is going to be a good walk. We don't want to forget about it. It's uh, This virus is not going to stop this walk. And uh, it should be gone by then anyway because it would be summertime. Uh but don't let the country scare you, people. You know, this, this this thing is just a virus that's nowhere near as bad as they originally thought, even though it, you know, it shouldn't be here. But we got to take and keep our eyes open and our ears open and not allow government to take and start taking over everything that we work for because, you know, if they get the chance, they will. And uh, it's up to us not to let them. Absolutely. And, and, and remember, you know, we have the power. We have the power and our voices are the power. And if they push too hard, we need to push back a little bit. That's all. And it's, it's just that simple. We're not, we're, not, um, we're not new to this. There's been all kinds of challenges that we've been faced with. And this isn't by any means the worst thing that we've experienced, and we it's certainly not an excuse um, for petty tyrants to come in and start telling us um, how to live our lives beyond what's reasonable. And there's reasonable, there's common sense, and then there's some of what's been going on. So, you know, we got Mary Donnelly who is being told she can't live in her remote property that she owns free and clear, but 
she has to live in a place where there's people that are sick. That makes no sense. That's maybe yeah, that makes no that sense at all. Somebody needs to have their uh, their cage rattled a bit over. Uh, and, and that's just the beginning. I mean, we have prisons where there are nonviolent offenders that are being housed, and this virus gets in there and starts spreading around. And instead of saying, well, you know what, put an ankle bracelet on these guys, let them go home, and we'll figure it out once this thing settles itself out, they're saying, no, we're going to just keep you in here. Again, there's no common sense to this. There's no, There's no... This isn't a win-win. It's not a win-lose. It's a lose-lose. Everybody loses in that. So I don't know. I'm hoping that some people get uh, uh, evaluated when this thing blows itself through, and hopefully uh, maybe some real policy changes will come out of this. Certainly I hope everybody stands their ground and does the right thing. You know, you all know what that is. Whatever it is for you, do the right thing. Don't be cowed into uh, doing something that, doesn't make sense or isn't uh, right, and I'm and I'm not saying be foolish and be dangerous to your neighbor either, but there's common sense, and I think that there's a place for all of us in it. Well, Dana, I appreciate uh, what you're doing out there, and and you've been a very active part of the Human Solution International, and I know you uh, are going through your own struggles, but hopefully, um, you know, you guys are going to get through this well and good, and and um, you know. Be shining on the other side with us. And, you know, just because we're all kind of physically separated right now doesn't mean we're not getting together virtually and we're not getting together um, on the phone and we're not getting together meeting and, and sharing ideas and thoughts and, and organizing and making things happen. So if somebody wants to get involved with the Human Solution International in Missouri with the Hope for Change in the End of Prohibition chapter, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, we're hope for change in the end of prohibition, Human Solutions International Chapter Court Support here in Missouri. My number is 417-847-7974. I'd like to see more protests like I've seen on TV today. That's what we need, and we might get things moving. So, I agree. I agree. And we're learning from things that work, and we're learning how to be effective. And I believe the Walk for Change is going to be um, a, a, a great, peaceful, nonviolent protest um, that's going to clearly demonstrate not only what our problem is, but how to solve it. And I think that that's going to separate this from so many other protests and movements out there. We're not here just to complain about things. We're here to bring, present, and show solutions. Thank you so much, Dana, and um, you have my, my very best, and um, appreciate you being part of this organization and all you bring to it. Yeah, uh, we're not going nowhere, and, uh, you know, we have our struggles, but, you know, like I told everybody, after the court's over, you're still going to have the aftermath, and, you know, that's still what I'm going through, but I'm going to get through it. Uh, you take it away, Tom Corby, uh, saying hi to you from down here in Missouri. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much, Tina. All right, before we bring Tom Corby, I just want to bring a, a message that came um from our dear friend Dee Dee Kirkwood. And apparently, in the midst of all of this craziness, MTV got a hold of Michael Thompson and is going to be doing an interview with him. 
I guess, very, very shortly. And um, I don't know how that all came to be, but I think it's uh, amazing, and hopefully maybe they will, with their gigantic reach, be able to uh, get enough people to say, what the heck, and maybe maybe we can get this pardon that we've been reaching out for for so long, and maybe he can get the heck out of here and get back to life. So uh, thank you, Didi. I'm sure in no small part that that came out of the work you're doing specifically. So, all right, Tom Corby, here we are closing down the show. We're 10 minutes over time. You've got about two minutes, and we'll see if you can do it. Welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, I want to thank you, Joe, as always, uh, Becca, for screening Lisa and uh, Candace last week for screening. She did a great job. Nice to have her on board. Uh, and always the coffee party radio show, before I forget. And I always think of George Monterano. Uh I'm almost through with the book that, uh, that he sent me. And my gosh, uh, how that man's still alive is amazing. Uh, having spent uh, over 32 years in federal prison. And what he went through, uh, I really honor him. Uh, when we talk about social distancing, I uh, want to thank all those out there on the front lines, joining hands, come together, overcoming this virus. And I could expound on that for an hour or so of what we've learned, and of course, exercise, going out, walking, I'm on the lawn, my honeydew jobs, I try to stay busy, uh, some meditation, uh, better diet, fruits and vegetables, and number one is alkalize the body. Uh, when we do that, uh, disease which actually is one word. A disease is an imbalance of your body. Big Pharma makes it two, two words to sell you a drug for every disease. Just had to throw that out there. <laughs> the brighter side on uh, COVID-19 is uh, when we talk about Michael Thompson, how many years did he, we first got that package, Joe? How many times that they've refused to let him out? Uh, Frank just mentioned here uh, that what? they're letting they're letting uh, prisoners out of jail, nonviolent prisoners. Right. Well, and some violent too. So we have to be a little more careful right now, and uh, maybe that'll help Michael finally get out. Uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, unacceptable and incomprehensible that anyone would, would spend their life in prison for our sacred cannabis plan. Uh, it saddens me so. Uh, I have uh, a word, good word from our very good friend up in Crescent City, uh, Bob Jared. He's uh, 
<clears throat> finally going to sell up there, and we've got looking at a place for him to move down here and be with us. Uh, he also just uh, again uh, one of the brighter sides of the virus is that uh, he just sent me a message that uh, they uh, just continued his case till further notice due to the virus. So we all do our best to carry on each day. And, and of course, don't forget to breathe. <laughs> really helps me. And again, I want to thank everybody out there on the front lines coming together and joining hands. Something to be the solution to fighting and in prohibition and free all our POWs. No one should go to jail for a plan. Thank you all today, and don't forget to breathe, as Donald always said. Thank you, Joe, and all. All right, Tom, well, I appreciate you being here, as always, and uh, all the NorCal team. And, um, you know, I want to thank everybody who made this show another great one and everybody who is uh, helping us, everybody who's being part of the solution right now. And if you're not, um, I encourage you to uh, maybe consider doing so. All right, that's it for today. Um, We will see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse the human solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done, you were always...